That's good. Everybody turn around and look at that clock. It says 12.03. And I got two hours worth of material. Holy cow. Now, if you think for one moment that that worship set was not what God was doing, you've missed what God's doing, because that's what God is doing. This is what I heard in the middle of that set. Wouldn't it be nice if you would sit down every now and then and rest? He's not looking for your performance. Hello? Not what he's looking for. He's looking for a real relationship that you can encounter and be encountered. That's what he's after. All right? It's 1204 right now. If you get done before I do, you will not offend me. Okay? Is that a good deal? Everybody in agreement? You get done before I get done. Hit the road, Jack. Just come on back sometime, all right? All right, if you have your Bibles on, still open to John chapter 8 and John chapter 16. How many of you were at the service out at the park on July the 3rd? You're going to notice I'm going to read the same verses. You're like, man, do you not know any other verses? You're kind of stuck in a rut. No, I just didn't get to say everything I wanted to say because you were using suntan lotion and sunscreen, all kinds of stuff going on out there at the service. So I want to show you a truth this, uh, this morning that has literally transformed my being many times. Okay? Is that all right? Okay. John chapter 8 says this. Then Jesus said to those, okay, who did what? Who were the hardest people to win in Jesus' day? But obviously he won a few, right? Hello? Okay, I just want to make sure you're tracking with me. He's talking to believers. All right? And they happen to be Jewish, but they did believe. All right? Watch what he said. If you abide in my word, and you are my disciples indeed. Verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall do what? Okay, pretty familiar verse. I mean, this is one that's been preached many, many times. Did you notice he was talking to believers and he said, the truth shall make you free. I thought when they became believers, they were free. Anybody ever heard that teaching? Well, they were free in some areas. Is it possible he's indicating that believers could be in need of some more truth to set them free as they continue their journey. Okay. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. What I want to show you today is how truth sets people free. Here's the question. What happens in that process? How does truth liberate anybody? Think about it for a second. This is a statement by Jesus, so it is true. He's not a liar. He proved that over his life. He said, the truth shall make you free. 
Now, the number one issue is that you have to understand, as Christians, it's possible that we're still in bondage even though we believe. So we do need some freedom. All right? No big argument over that. Here's the question, though. How does truth make you free? What is the process that it goes through to get me from bondage to liberty? I'm going to show you that this morning, okay? That'd be all right? All three of you are all fired up about that, I can tell. <laughs> really good. Well, the three of you really going to like what I got to say. Anybody ever experienced truth setting you free? Hmm. Man, it's a lot better than bondage. I don't know about you, but I, you know, bondage was bad. Truth, liberating, is really good. Look at John chapter 16. Here's a truth that I want to show you. I'm going to pick one truth out of this statement, and then we're going to look at it for a minute, and I'm going to show you the process of how truth in any area can liberate someone. You know, we're all stuck on different things. Did you know that? It's, it's still a lie, but different lies work on different people. Have you noticed? Some people don't stumble over the lies I've stumbled over. And I've noticed some of you knuckleheads stumble over things I'm not stumbling over. It just happens. But it doesn't matter. The lie is still a lie, right? It's trying to do something in your life. And the truth wants to supplant or replace that and liberate you. So let's look at a truth. Watch this. Jesus said, but now I go away to him who sent me. Who sent him? Means he's going to return back to the Father. And none of you asked me, who's he talking to? He's talking to his disciples. None of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has done what? Why are they sad? Man, they were just getting used to this gig. I mean, they were fishermen. They encountered a guy who works miracles. They have never seen anything like this in their life. And all of a sudden, they're fired up. Man, you are the Messiah. I mean, Peter's already said, you're the, you the Christ. You're the king. You, you're it. And he said, now I'm going to go away. And they're like, oh, dang, we're going back to fishing? So they're sorrowful about it. Now, when sorrow, has that sorrow ever hit anybody else's heart beside these guys? Okay. Welcome to the club. You need truth in that moment. Is that not true? So watch what he says. Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Not that he ever lied. You ever notice when people say that to you? Well, I'm going to tell you the truth. Well, you been lying? <laughs> I always wonder, why do you preface it that way? I'm like, I thought you were telling the truth prior to this. You do know uh, you come from the womb being a liar. You may have noticed you never had to teach any of your kids how to lie. It's not, a, it's not a class they have to go to. It's automatic. Thought you might want to know that one. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Were they sorrowing? He's leaving. We're going to be left alone. Isn't that, isn't that the thought? It is to your advantage that I go away. This is a brand new thought. They have never heard this thought. It's to your advantage that I go away. Watch what he says. For I, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, 
He's going to do some things. You know, we got a better deal than the disciples had originally. Hello? It's okay to talk in church, I know. You're supposed to be reverent. God doesn't allow people to speak. Eh, wrong answer. Do you know it's be- we have a better deal today than the, ele- or the 12 had originally? We do. The reason is the Holy Spirit came to do something Jesus couldn't do. You know what that is? Be in multiple places at the same time, at your house and my house at the exact same time, doing the exact same thing, liberating his kids. It's to our advantage. You think that's an encouraging word to them? Yeah. Depending on what they did with that truth had an effect on how they operated from there on. I don't think they believed him at this point. At this point, I still think they said, you say whatever you want to say. You leave, it's not a good deal. You've changed our lives. You've impacted us. We want you to stay. You leaving is not a good deal. All right? So sorrow, sometimes when it happens, you really need to encounter a truth. All right? So all that's a setup for this. I want to pick out one truth, what he said about the Holy Spirit, and then I want to show you how that truth is aimed at setting everyone in the building today free. Deal? All right, so the truth is this. I'm leaving. Holy Spirit's coming. He's going to do three things. I told you on the day of uh, July 3rd when we met out at the park, the Holy Spirit's job description, he has three things he's trying to accomplish. Here they are. They're found in these verses. And when he comes, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit has come, he will do three things. He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. That's his job description. He's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, that doesn't sound really encouraging. Man, that's a great job description. Get, sign me up. I want to be a part of that. You know, that word convict sounds a lot like when I was a probation officer. Some of you are looking really familiar. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you know, I left the church world and went to be a probation officer. It was amazing I worked with the same people. <laughs> when I was a probation officer, I dealt with convicted people. They were convicted of felonies. They were convicted of misdemeanor cases. They had been convicted in a court of law. Now, that word convict is a word that bothers us in the church. The Holy Spirit here is to convict. That word really means condemn. Do you really think that's what the Holy Spirit's doing? Trying to condemn you of your sin, condemn you of you're not righteous enough, and condemn you that judgment's coming? Listen, that word's gone out in the church. Hello? That word is being released in the church. And I tell you, that's the farthest thing from what he's doing. That is not what he's doing. We stumble over this word convict, though. It bothers us. You know what this word really means? Admonish or convince. Now, I'm going to show you what I did as a probation officer. I told you a story uh, two or three weeks ago when we were out at the park. I had a young man who came in on his second DWI. And in that day and time, the laws changed now, but that day and time, he got diverted adjudication on his first case. But in his first case, 
is crazy the way the law was written at that time, especially in Texas. But in his first case, he was involved in an accident. He got a DWI for it, and a family was killed. And he got deferred adjudication, which means it's not on his record. Shocking, isn't it? Well, that law's been changed, so it's no longer even available. So he comes and sits down before me. He has now been convicted of his second DWI. What is the criminal justice system trying to do to him? It's trying to condemn him and change his behavior. It's trying to shame him and get behavioral change. It's behavior modification. Watch. So when we read that the Holy Spirit comes to condemn or convict, we think behavior modification, not what he's doing at all. He's trying to transform a being. Has zero to do with condemnation, zero to do with shame, has everything to do with convincing and admonishing you and me that there's a better way. And that you can be changed from the inside out versus the outside in. How many of you have ever tried to change from the outside in? The rest of you are liars. Go ahead and raise your hand. Someone's trying to shame you along the way. If you've raised kids, do you do that again? And I'm going to bury you in the backyard. I brought you into the world. I can take you out. I'll just tell God you died. No, 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 you can't touch that. No, I mean, it's always trying to modify their behavior so they'll grow up to be what? Something. <laughs> Any of you ever as a parent get this report? Hey, your child was over at our house. <laughs> yes. Man, I could not believe. Oh boy. How well behaved. Oh my God. <laughs> You mean they act different somewhere else than they did at home? Yes. <sighs> We're trying to modify their behavior so they'll do something right in somebody else's presence. And it's always hard when they don't. And we're looking for circumstances to try to modify your behavior. I'm just telling you right now, that's not the, that is not the job description of the Holy Spirit. He's not come to condemn you of anything. Matter of fact, he came to liberate you. I'm going to show you where condemnation enters, but it's not with him. But the enemies use this trick forever to trap people into a place. Do you remember when I read the first scripture about he, the truth came to set you free and it happened to be to believers do you think it's okay that Jesus knows that believers are trapped? Whoa, yes. And he's okay with it because he knows what he came to do. And if you'll accept the truth, the truth will set you free in that area. Areas we get trapped in, it's okay. Lighten up on yourselves. But here's what you hear. How many of you have ever heard this voice? You know, if you were really a Christian, you wouldn't do that. You know, if you were a better Christian, I mean, if you really were who you say you were, I mean, you're really a two-faced liar. I mean, you're a hypocrite. You would never have acted that way. Anybody ever heard that voice? Rest of you? I heard that voice a lot. 
So we're trying to get to the place, what is the Holy Spirit trying to do in our lives right now if he's trying to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment? I'm going to pick out one of these, and then I'm going to show you quickly what, what the righteousness part, but why sin? Did you notice that word sin is not plural, it's singular? Put it back up on the view in mind, putting on John 16. See that word right there in verse 8? He, came, he will convict the world of sin. How many of you have only committed one? I mean, I'm, I'm down to a couple. I'm trying to get it to singular. Why is that singular? Because there's only one that will cost you. And that one is not having a relationship through Jesus to the Father. It's just one. Yeah, but we like to rank them. Don't we? What's the worst one in the earth? Depends on your religious stance. Could be homosexuality. But that abortion thing, you know, that's a big deal. Not in his book. The rejection of Jesus is it. That's all there is. So if you find yourself in this room and you've been tricked, you've been tricked into an abortion or you've been tricked into an identity crisis or you've been tricked into a drug habit or you've been tricked into pornography or you've been tricked, I got good news for you today. He ain't upset. He's not mad. He's not frustrated. The Holy Spirit's here to admonish and convince you that Jesus will liberate you. That's it. He's not here to condemn you and he's not here to shame you. Listen, religion will shame you and condemn you in a heartbeat. But that's not what Jesus is after. That's not what he sent the Holy Spirit to do. That's not his job description. His job description is I came to liberate you and it's better that I'm here than Jesus was here. And I'm gonna do a good job for my daddy. That's why he works overtime of meeting with you. That's why when we sit right here and worship and quiet before him, I love it. Everybody look at the clock, it's 1221. My gosh, it's already 1221. So that's of sin. What's the second one? Of righteousness. Why does he want to convict you of righteousness? Well, let's look at this one. And then I'm going to go into in depth on this one. I'll, I'll catch judgment on another day. What's this? Of righteousness on verse 10. Why? Because I go to my father and you see me no more. What in the world does he mean there? He's leaving. I'm sending the Holy Spirit, but I want to convince you that you are righteous. Why? Because he goes to the Father. Anybody realize what Jesus did when he met with the Father after he was crucified, after the, the veil in the temple was rent, after everything was shook up, after the Romans began to proclaim, that's the Messiah? Man, we don't know how the Jews missed it, but we just killed the King of Kings. After all that, he goes in and makes a presentation to the Father, and he says, for once and for all, I present the Lamb's blood for the sin of the world, and it's over. Never, ever to be done again. 
Meaning, if you receive Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, you are in right standing with the Father forever. Not based on what you did, based on what he did. That's a big deal. And the Holy Spirit is trying to convince individuals who have received Jesus that, listen, it all changed that day. I'm trying to convince you, you're in right standing regardless if you're still in bondage. Did you notice he said of righteousness unless you're in bondage? No. He's trying to convince you or admonish you that you are already in it. It came as a package deal the day you got saved. He's now not, he got you convinced that you need to receive Jesus. Secondly, the thing he wants to establish you need is to convince you that you are as right standing with the Father as you'll ever get. Reminds me of the man who bought a ticket to go on a on travel across the sea to get to his family, and he scraped up just enough money, just enough money to get on the boat to go across the sea. I'm going to see my family, and in the, in the process, he's like, I don't have very much left. I'm not going to be able to eat. So he, he gets some crackers and cheese, and he wraps it up, and he stuffs it in his pocket, and he gets on the boat, and it's a two-week trip. A week into it, he's out of crackers and cheese, and He's hungry. And his roommate next door to his room on the ship notices about a couple days before the, the trip is over, he says, dude, why haven't you ever come and join me at dinner? He goes, dude, I'm, I'm broke. I, I can't afford dinner. He goes, when you bought a ticket, all the food came with it. What have you been doing? Starving. He had no clue that he could have been eating meals all along the way. The Holy Spirit's here to say, not only when you got saved, honey, I got good news for you. You were as righteous then as you're ever going to be. It's a gift, not a reward. And the body of Christ has tripped over this one forever. All right, so let's take that truth. That's a truth the Holy Spirit's trying to show you. Go to Romans chapter 5. I'm going to show you on this truth... Because this is one of the transformations that the Holy Spirit wants to create in us. He wants to establish in us what does it look like. What does it mean that the gift of righteousness is for me? That the Holy Spirit's working on me to receive righteousness. Watch this. Romans chapter 5, verse 15. But the free gift, is that a reward or a free gift? I'm going to show you a contrast. The free gift is not like the offense. So there's two things he's introducing here. I would encourage you to go read the whole book of, of Romans, but go read the whole chapter of uh, five about this. This is incredible. I just don't have time to talk about it all, so I'm going to talk about these four or five verses. Watch. But the free gift is not like the offense. So he's going to make a contrast between the free gift and the offense. For if by one man's offense, Benny did what? What came with the offense? This is Adam's sin. This is what he's referencing. What came with it? Isn't that what the enemy told Adam and Eve? Be eat of that tree. Your eyes will be opened. You won't die. You notice they didn't die. Hello? Did you notice Adam and Eve didn't fall dead on the spot? What was the death? the very first time they'd ever seen self. Their eyes were opened, 
and they spiritually died. There was a death. It was spiritual. And at that moment, wrinkles and aging started. Thank you very much. (laughs) Boy, wasn't that a great day. I'm putting all kinds of cream on now just to get that stuff to stop. Lord have mercy. Okay, at that offense, they're descending. One, many died. However, when you contrast that, much more, the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the man Jesus Christ abounded to many. Many died, but grace has been extended to many. Watch, we're contrasting. Look at verse 16. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. What came with that? For the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in what? Condemnation. If you're living in judgment and condemnation, I got really good news for you. You can be liberated. How do you get liberated? Watch. I'll show you. Look at verse 17. For if by the abundance of grace... No, if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more to those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Not the reward, but the gift. That person will do what? That person will do what? Reign in life. You know what the difference between reigning in life and existing is? Allowing righteousness to be established in your life. The law brought death. Adam and Eve's sin brought death. It brought condemnation. If you're living under condemnation and judgment right now, you can be liberated. Jesus wants to, you know something, I already paid. It's a package deal. And the Holy Spirit's working overtime to get this established in your life. How does it work? I told you, said, how does truth work? The truth is, in righteousness is, as right standing, justification. You know what justification is, don't you? Just as if I've never sinned. That's what justified means. Watch. In righteousness comes justification and grace. You got it? What comes under the law? Condemnation and judgment. These are your two choices to live by. You ever met anybody that was very condemning and very judgmental? You got the good news to tell them. You don't have to live that way anymore. You ever found anybody really critical? They'll find something wrong with everything? It's not a good time to hit your spouse. Not a good time. <laughs> anybody ever met one of those? Like they were weaned on dill pickle juice? There's a lot of them in the church. You know, sheep... You know, we're called sheep. These are the ones that bite. They're pointed. They're nasty. They're vile. Why? Because they've been lied to that we have to do behavior modification and we have to be under judgment and we're under condemnation. My uh, wife's mother, unfortunately, bless her heart, she's going to be with the Lord. She's way past this now, but she made a mistake. She made a stake as 18 years of age, and she got pregnant out of wedlock. That child that was born, is an atheist today. 
Do you know why? Because every time she saw her, this is what she said. Every time I see you, you remind me of my sin. Where did she get that? Judgment and condemnation. These were the words that came out of her mouth. This is just my lot in life. Lie, lie, lie. What's the truth today? The truth I'm trying to point out to you is the moment that you said yes to Jesus, you were as righteous as you possibly could get. Will there be things that change? Will you become holier? Yes. But righteousness and right standing with the Father, you couldn't get any more right standing. It happened that moment. It's not based on what you did. It's why it's a gift versus a reward. The gift is I offer you righteousness, right standing with the Father based on what I did, not based on what we do. Totally different. And in the midst of that, once we receive it, this is the impact that it has on us. It stabilizes us to know he's not mad and he wants to have fellowship and he wants to help me and I can talk to him about anything. How many in the room have ever been trapped in an addiction? The rest of you probably is not willing to admit it right now. I've been trapped in an addiction. When I found out the good news, this was part of the righteousness. When I found out the good news that he wasn't mad, I actually could talk to him about it. He said, man, let's fellowship over it. Let's, let's talk. I said, really? We can talk about stuff like this? He goes, yeah. That's okay. You're not a little hacked off? Nope. A little mad? No. You mean, really, we can talk about this? He goes, yeah, I want to set you free. Okay. I began to have that fellowship with him. 90 days later, I was totally free. Under a bondage I've been under for 30 years. Hello? Anybody ever carried a 30-year bondage lie? I know. I'm probably the only idiot in the room that has that. I'm under no guilt, under no shame, and I'm under no condemnation on the fact that I walked in that. Why? Because I'm as righteous today as I'll ever be the day I got saved when I was 14. Just because I brought bondages into that relationship, that's the beautiful part about this relationship, is that I can bring bondages into it, and he liberates me in it. How does it happen? What is the process? The process is, is what do I do with this truth? I just presented a truth to you, the gift of righteousness is not like the offense. It's a gift. What do you do with that gift? How does it work? Well, do you remember Saul, the killer of Christians? He met Jesus on the road to Damascus and his eyes got open. Like we sang this morning, his eyes got open and what happened? He was transformed and he went from full of judgment and condemnation to full of Grace, love, and righteousness. The greatest preacher on righteousness known to man came from Saul Paul. What happened? He received the truth. Look at this. I'm going to show you. Go back to verse 17. You want to know how truth works? You want to know how it operates? Here it is. Right here in scripture. We've already read it. I'm going to show it to you again. But this is the way truth works. And then I'm done. Look at verse 17. For if by one man's death, by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who do what? Those who what? That's how truth works. That's how you go from bondage to, re to revelation to freedom. 
You have to receive it. Here's how truth works. You have to hear it. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing. You have to make a decision. Is that true or is that a lie? If you receive it as truth, then you've embraced it. And from there you do what with it? You begin to say the new truth because the lie will continue to present itself to you. You you check this out, this, this process, hearing, believing, confessing. What's the process? Woman with the issue of blood. She heard, hey, if you can touch the hem of his garment, you'd be made whole. Man, I don't know if that's true or not. Sounds good to me. I mean, that's better than what I've experienced. I think that is true. You see her going down the road. If I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. If I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. Wow! She got whole. She didn't have to perform the truth. The truth performed itself. All she had to do was hear it, receive it, and then confess the truth. Isn't that amazing what truth will do? How about blind Bartimaeus? Blind Bartimaeus standing on the side of the road, and there's a commotion going by. He can't see a thing. Hey, man, what's going on? Ah, some guy named Jesus going by. Who? Jesus. Jesus! What he had already heard was what? Son of man, son of David, Messiah. He had already received it. Listen to his confession. Son of David, have mercy on me. How did he say that if he hadn't heard it and believed it? You see how truth works? This is how you go from bondage to freedom. I don't care if you're addicted to prescription drugs. I've I've been a drug rep. I, I carried the drugs. They're not aimed at healing you. They're aimed at just making you think you're better. Hello? The drug world likes to keep you intact with them. Partners, get your wallet out and we'll keep... You notice that most of the drugs don't heal anybody. Anybody else to notice that? Jesus does. Because he goes to the root source. He's not dealing with symptoms. He's dealing with the root source. He'll set you free. I was talking to a physician the other day. I was in Orlando, Florida. You know what the number one population of drug addiction is today? You gray hairs better pay attention. Number one drug addiction today is gray-headed people. It's the baby boomers. You know why? Hip replacements, knee replacements, surgeries. They get on pain prescription pills, and they, the doctor knows that he can't keep them on that long, starts weaning them off, and they go to heroin. It's the easiest drug to get. I was talking to a physician that's created drug centers to help them be free. We can't even talk about this in the church, can we? It's happening every day. So I thought it was the young people. They better look to the baby boomers because they're, they're hitting number one. They're buying it by the truckloads. Listen, truth has to be heard, has to be received, and then has to be confessed as truth. So when the lie presents itself, you say to it, that's a lie. This is the truth. I don't have to perform it. Jesus will do it. The reason I'm talking about this today, because I watched the greatest transformation known to mankind in my own household, and it wasn't with me. It was with my wife. My wife was raised in a very religious system. She had tons of religion placed upon her. She had condemnation. She had guilt. She had shame. And she was critical. And I married her. 
What is they? Love is what? She was wonderful, though. And the Lord said, your job is to love her to life. What? I want you to heal her. You heal her. (laughs) You know what transformed her? Because she was always taught, she had heard, and she believed it, that righteousness was a reward for doing good. Mm, It's sneaky, but it's there. And she'd been taught that in denominational church. She began to hear this message that righteousness is a gift, and that gift will liberate you to live. And she began to hear that. I would come home every day. She'd been listening to this message over and over. I come home every day, and she's weeping. And I say, baby, you okay? It's really good. I said, what's going on? I'm just being set free. It's so good. I can't get enough. And I come home the next day. Same story. I'm like, how long are we going to do this? She said, I don't know. For 40 some odd years, I've been lied to. And this is really good. I said, just keep at it. Looking good on you. She went from a woman who is really critical. I know, if you met her, you'll say, you're lying. She'll tell you. She began to confess, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I get all that he's already possessed, all that he's already purchased. It's mine. I'm free. I know. And I'm telling you, grace began to come out of her like nobody's business. And love began to flow out of her. And she got established in righteousness and totally transformed her being at almost the age of 50. It's incredible. It's incredible. The Holy Spirit's trying to admonish you to establish you in the same thing, to get you out of guilt, condemnation, and shame. This is not the criminal justice system. This is the liberation system that will set you free to live, and it'll change you from the inside out, and you don't even have to go back. There's no time. You don't have to go back and serve time. It's over, and it'll liberate you. Stand with me. anybody in the room doesn't have a relationship with Jesus? I want to give you an opportunity this morning. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, listen, I made a decision at 14 and I had tons of bondage, but that relationship that I decided on that day set the course for the rest of my life. That's been over 40 years. I'm telling you, if you're in the room today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, will you do me a favor? Do yourself a favor. Make a decision on that today. I want to ask our altar ministry team to come forward. Would you just make a decision on that today? Come talk to somebody down here and say, hey, I don't know the Jesus he's talking about, but I want to. Give me a chance. Give me an opportunity. How many in the room today with everybody looking around, they can actually see it? Say, I need to be established in righteousness. I'm, I'm, I'm operating way under too much guilt, shame, condemnation. I got an addiction to something. I don't care what it is. I need some help in this area. Would you just lift your hand? I, I know. I'm going to pray for you. All right? Holy Spirit, every hand represents a heart. Every heart represents what you paid for. I ask that you would establish in us the gift of righteousness.
that we could be liberated to live. That every lie of the enemy that's registered and producing fruit would be exposed, would be exposed for what it really is, is stealing life. So I ask you right now, liberate our minds, our wills, our emotions to receive the gift. And that gift is righteousness, right standing with the Father. Father, thank you for making a way that we could stand before you in Jesus just as if we'd never sinned. Right with you, access to everything you're offering, we receive it this day. We want to cooperate with you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for coming. Thank you for taking on the job description nobody else wanted. We embrace what you're doing in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you want somebody to agree with you today about any area, listen, this is not about embarrassing you at all. But if there's anything going on in your life that you want to just expose, say, I want liberty. That's what we're here for. If you haven't met Jesus, please don't leave the building without asking somebody, tell me how I find him. All right? God bless you. Have a great Sunday afternoon. And uh, come on, football.